The date is Friday, September 11th, and you're listening to Entertain This. This week, our episode falls on the 19th anniversary of the September 11th attacks on the World Trade Center. In recognition of those who lost their lives, their families, and the brave men and women first responders who risked their own lives to save others, we would like to now take a moment of silence. And now, on to the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday yet again, which means another thrilling episode of Entertain This! Entertain This! As always, I'm Alex. I'm John. And I'm Nick. Guys, it is another week, another beautiful week, and I came to the realization that, John, we never actually let you tell us a bit about yourself. You're going to be guest hosting for a whole month. Yeah, this you might whole as well beautiful let our, month. let our viewers out there know exactly what they're working with. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, as we learned in the last episode, I love RuneScape, I like Seinfeld, and I like to have a good time. And you like birds. <laughs> I do have a fascination with birds. <laughs> it's so, you know, it's not unhealthy. No. Because it's balanced by my love for cats. They're, you know, natural predator. True. So so if there's one bird and one cat in your heart, yeah. they're constant war. Exactly. They're, it's like that story. There are two wolves <laughs> inside. Do you know that? No. It's like there are two wolves. Wait, I just watched the, the New Mutants, and that's a line in that movie. Yeah, but is it just it's like a bears. throwaway line? No, it's like said in the beginning and the oh, end. Where I it's think. like there, there, there are two. two but they use bears. Yeah, there are two bears there who are, are constantly bears. fighting within you. One is the evil and one is the good or something like right. that. Right, and that's it's so like an eternal fight. Bad. It's basically it's like, like the yin-yang type yeah, thing. And yeah, and that's exactly what it is. But in okay. this case, it's there's one chicken and one <laughs> cat. And one tabby. <laughs> and, and they are at war. <laughs> it's just the constant episode of Tom and Jerry in my... Or no, it's Tweety Bird and Sylvester. Yeah, yeah, yeah Tweety Bird nice. and Sylvester going mm-hmm. on inside your head. You know, I'm a simple guy. I like simple things. I'm and, a simp. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm a simp. No simp for September. Sure. No simp. Sim- uh, I already, I already keep, screwed that we gotta up. keep that in lock. All right, all right. We can't oh, simp for Starting the entire month now. of September. Starting now. Hey, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I gotta say, you're a little... Uh, <clears throat> okay. Uh, focus, 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 focus. <laughs> Do not simp on Nick. I'm sorry. He's sitting right here. I know he's beautiful, but give the boy a break. All right. All right. a professional simping, setting. I hope this paints a picture of who I am and uh, what my values are. <laughs> it didn't at all, but you did provide some information yeah. that was good for a good old goof. And maybe even a gaff or two. Well, as we go on, people will understand me more and more. I'm gonna really paint the picture of these next couple of uh, eps. Well, you got you got big old <laughs> you got big old shoes to fill, uh, both uh, metaphorically and physically, because uh, Michael is a, a large man. He's just he's just big. He's large. He is strong and he's well built. I'd say so. Is yeah. he large and in charge? No, because no. he quit. So mm-hmm. he's <laughs> he's no longer. We'll cut that part out. <laughs> he's no longer. No, it's good. He's, okay. No, we're, he's happy with it. We're happy with it for him. Um, but he is not in charge, though large he is. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in charge of the podcast. I'd say that's me. This is my show. Oh yeah. Yeah, you are running the ones and zeros in the background. That being you? said, this is Alex's episode, oh, and yeah. <laughs> it is my episode, but. 
I did say that uh, John could spend a little time because there was something a little left over from our last episode that he hosted that he wanted to share. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about this. Oh, you had it pulled up on your phone. I had already. it pulled up on my phone, but that was just because I wanted to show you guys. But what if what if I dropped you a fresh beat? <laughs> I mean, what? do you have one of those fresh beats? I have I have a fresh beat ready for you. All right, if you if you I'll I'll sing one. So what he's talking about is last week we did RuneScape, right. which is my my love, my passion. It's a good episode. Great app. And so in yeah, in one point in my life when I worked in a restaurant, um, me and my friend <laughs> wrote raps about RuneScape when we were not busy. Even Sweet when raps. we were busy. So you didn't make Whoa. raps. Huh. Sorry about that. You didn't make phone. raps. I wrote raps. Okay. I did poetry. Slam poetry. <laughs> okay. You did slam poetry. Cool. I did slam poetry. A theme slam poetry. Yeah. Well, because you know. What you got? Okay. Are you, are you yeah, ready? I'm, yeah. I'm going to beatbox. Is that all right? I'll just do... I have like five stanzas. I'll just do one. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. You have one Costanza? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I lost the breath. I have to yeah. bring it back. Here we go. Move away from the microphone to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> just keep referencing Sean to breathe. Yeah. Chilling with my homies. Backslash the party chat. You lost Bronze Dagger when you died to a giant rat. I think I blew out the mic on that one, but you know hey, it was you, worth you it. You for sure spiked, but you know what? <laughs> I think that was well worth it. Thank you. Yeah, no Thank problem. You. No problem. It's what what bravery, what courage to step onto the mic and yeah. spit such fire. Yeah, you're the well, next Eminem. When you got this talent, you have to share it with somebody, and this is my platform for the next couple of weeks. This is our platform. Art comes in many platforms. And I true. think that's where we're gonna start. Whoa! This week's episode of Entertain This. In today's episode, let me let me gloss over real quick and give you a uh, a very a very quick intro as to what it is that we have going on. Secret identities, working under the cover of night. Large underground organizations, all taking place within the United Kingdoms. All of it sounds like the making of a classic James Bond esque film, mm-hmm. but this. Is reality. Whoa. Are you going to talk about secret societies? That'd be a really good episode. <laughs> <Wait a minute. laughs> Write that down. Freemasons. I'm going to talk about the underground art world of the United Kingdom. Oh, the old UK. That's correct. All right. Not something that I think a lot of people know about. Um, or at least not something that uh, they completely understand to the point of recognition. But... There is a secret underground society um, in what feels like a country that rarely experiences the unrest that we face in day-to-day America. It may surprise you that deep below the manners and influence, uh, a sprawling nightlife lives, more specifically in Bristol in the 1980s. At the time, Bristol's underground scene was ablaze with creation. Groups of people gathered around in a similar bohemian way to New York in the late 90s, early 90s. Are you guys familiar with the kind of bohemian lifestyle? So it's nope. kind of, uh, it's a free-spirited kind of an art movement um, that a lot of the 90s and some of the 80s saw. Um, if you, Do you guys know the musical Rent? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Never seen it. So yeah. Rent is almost the, the perfect encapsulation of... Um, 
90s bohemian lifestyle. Mm. So, like, uh, wearing what you have, like, not having much, just, like, making art, being poor, kind of like the starving artist kind of a, a feel to it. But in the United Kingdoms, this bohemian lifestyle kind of... I keep stopping myself from saying Bohemian Rhapsody. But this Bohemian lifestyle... <laughs> exactly. This Bohemian lifestyle um, kind of took a more punk rock, p- punk rock kind of a twist. Mm. So instead of it being like art and like opera and like being soft and like basically living through your art, they were trying to send messages. Mm. They were trying to get their voices heard, even though they were small or poor. Uh, it was the the little guy standing up to the big guy. Kind of like a, a Tom and Jerry-esque situation <laughs> where these uh, this group of artists were the, uh, the small mouse in the situation while uh, society, all of it, was the big cat. Oh, damn. Constantly seeming like it was trying to smash them down. So this is the 90s, right? Is yeah. the time frame you're talking about? Well, this is the 80s. But into the 90s. Okay. A lot of this story that we're going to talk about today is going to take place in the 90s. But it started in the 80s. You're you're painting this picture of like 80s punk rock, like UK punk rock. Yes. In my (laughs) mind, like I'm thinking like Sex Pistols right now. Okay. People like the Ramones wandering around, just like you know, jamming out with their jukebox, the Sex Pistols. (laughs) Exactly. They used to call those ghetto blasters. You know that? uh, Boombox. Yeah. Ghetto blasters. I like it. Cool I did not know that was the term. Yeah, it's pretty but, cool. But keep that in mind as we kind of move forward, and I keep painting this picture in your head. Um, so what, you ask, were bringing these people together in the 80s, it was a new form of music known as trip-hop. Not hip-hop, mm. trip-hop. That started back then? That started back in the 80s. <sighs> a collection of DJs had been working for years and collecting samples to quilt together into beats that would pump energy into crowds, comparing heavily to the mid-2010s dubstep is kind of what the music was like. I can hear it. Yeah. So, like, (laughs) think 80s rock meets dubstep, and that's what they were creating, this kind of trip-hop movement um, that's still super popular today. Nick, you seem to be familiar with trip-hop. I'm not really too familiar with it, but you just said trip-hop, and I was like, that's a modern movement, isn't it? No, it started back in the 80s in, in Bristol. That's where, like, all the DJs were getting together. Um, Is there, like, a band today that you would know, that we would recognize, maybe? Nope. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so when, writing, when writing for this, I was listening to a Spotify playlist that was trip all trip-hop. <laughs> and it, oh, cool. the bands in the playlist are bands that I'm going to mention because they play a big part in the story. Okay. Um... The electric feeling in the air inspired all who took in the fresh music bumping from the speakers and gave rise to art of its own. As the groups gathered in alleyways and abandoned warehouses, they began to paint the walls with images the music painted in their heads. Images of people yearning to express themselves freely and break the status quo of the generation before them. You're almost, like, you're painting this picture in my mind where they're almost hippies, but this time they have technology. Like, they... The whole hippie movement was like getting away from technology, getting mm-hmm. out in the country, you know, forming a commune, doing whatever else. So not showering. I want um, this. I want this image <laughs> that I'm painting in your head to have a very low beat that's just like pounding. Yeah, like a nightlife kind of feel. Kind of like these are people running around in and Bristol's this like big city, like concrete jungle. Oh, that they're all like running around in abandoned, like, meeting up in abandoned uh, 
alleys and like abandoned warehouses and these DJs are setting up. You got the lights and the smoke. And while all this is going on in the background, like hundreds of artists with spray paint cans, <laughs> all spray painting on the walls and graffitiing everything. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the complete, well, it's the same like founding principles, if you want to call them that, as hippies, right? Kind of. It's getting away from consumerism or the man. Is, so where hippies were like, we're going to change our lifestyle. Right. Uh, and make a difference through us and our decisions. Correct. These guys were, we're going to change your lifestyle. Oh, they're going to be up in your face And I'm going to show you how dumb you are for what you're doing. <laughs> That's awesome. This is anarchy in the UK. This is anarchy wow. in the UK. Yeah, people say all these cities in like the United Kingdom and Britain and all that. And I'm like, okay, I don't know where. <laughs> like, I know where London is, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you say Bristol, like, where's that on a map? Edinburgh? It's all too small. <laughs> you have all this area for these big 50 states. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the northeast. Well, that's because you guys know that, that the United States changes their maps, right? Changes their maps? How, yeah. How so, so, like, if you look at a if you look at a, a world map in the United States, yep. they make the United States way bigger on <laughs> our world maps is. than they do in, like, other countries. Like, they don't make it accurate, so it looks like we're so much, like, greater. We're kind of important, and also it takes, like, 24 hours to drive across country, so... <laughs> It's a big area. I mean, yeah, you're we right. We have to drive too because there's no trains. And this isn't just because like <laughs> it's a you know a, a globe flattened onto a flat map. It's just like no, like silent. There, there are people. Yeah, there are Ugh. people who have taken maps from America and put them directly next to other maps. <laughs> oh and they're God. like, you see how everything else is the same size except America. Wow, Russia's huge. You know that. It's pretty big. And they yeah. train bears in their army. America's bigger. <laughs> America's way bigger. What are you talking about? But anyway, uh, so some... Who are you talking about? Putin. <laughs> what? Vladimir Putin. Who's that? Oh, oh I thought he said Putin. <laughs> and the Putin. Cute, cute little nickname for Putin. Putin. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, little Putin. Putin. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> so somewhere under the same Union Jack, another legend was being born. Uh, at only age 14, the legend states that he was expelled from school and served time in prison for petty crimes. Hmm. Once upon release, uh, he found the legendary movement and an unidentified artist by the name of Banksy had finally found his home. I've heard that, man. This is all very epic sounding. It, yeah. It's it, crazy. Like legend yeah. and mystery. Well, when you think Banksy, who mm-hmm. you say you've heard of. Of course. Mm-hmm. Who hasn't? Mm-hmm. His entire existence is almost shrouded in legend and mystery. Yeah. And that's, I mean, one of the reasons why he's such a famous artist today, um, but also why I think so many people kind of flock to him. Yeah, I thought he was an American guy. You learned something new already. <laughs> yeah. So are you guys at all familiar with Banksy? What, what do you guys know? Or like, what, what, what do you think you know? I mean, the last thing I remember was like two years ago, he had that painting self destruct <laughs> yeah. in its sale. Um, Performance art. I feel like the, uh, the classic child, like going after a balloon. Yep. That's him, oh. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, other than that, I just know that he's, I, I, he's not, he's still not known to this day. Like, like his identity was not out there. Yep. Because I feel like I've heard, like, oh, it could be this guy. Oh, like someone was arrested doing something that Banksy would have done and now we know his identity 
but no, no, you it's, don't. Yeah, it's, it <laughs> right. still seems like well, no, like they were just trying to bank off that that hype. Mm. Like that's just like clickbait almost. Yeah. yeah, and he he almost feels like he has the like the stature of like Picasso mm. or like you think Banksy. You're like, oh, that's one of those artists, and like all those mm. artists are long dead, and like you you're never like I'm just gonna meet Picasso on the street, you know? Good. Picasso Picasso was only from the like the 1960s. Like, Picasso was still going. I think he passed away in the 80s, yeah. 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 So, like, Picasso, in our in our parents' lifetime, relatively close to us. Mm-hmm. But Banksy is out there now. Mm. Out there doing stuff. Which I think, just, like, to swallow that pill is incredible. Mm. Because, How could you be so bold to compare him to Picasso? Because he has the stature of it, and his art is selling almost at the same rate and at the same value mm. as a Picasso piece. Um I would argue that because Picasso only did it to create art and yeah. for the art world, Banksy almost has a leg up on him because Banksy has purpose behind the art that he creates. Mm. Picasso did too, but to a lesser extent, I'd say. Yes. He wasn't up in your face about it. Like the, did he paint the one? I don't know why I'm asking you this, but <laughs> he, was, he was doing all this stuff that was anti-Nazi. Or maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Maybe it was Picasso. Might be. I know that Picasso was... No, no, no. Picasso no. stood more in a, a firm of... Um, I'm, he was Spanish, and they yeah. had the whole Spanish Civil War in the 1930s, mm-hmm. which the Nazis were, like, testing out all the new machinery and stuff like that. You know so much about World War II. I know. It's a, it's a little <laughs> embarrassing, but uh, it was 1934 or so, so Hitler had just come to power. That's was, something that you should look up. You should yeah. look into. Um, but what I was going to say is I know that Picasso is very anti-structure in art. Ooh. Mm. Like, he... If you look at uh, self-portraits that Picasso did, like, as a like a young man at 18, and then on to, like, when he was, like, 34, and then at the end of his life, his style is more clear, but his oh, yeah. structure, like, deteriorates. Because he decided, like, all this training that I've gone through, I don't give a crap about any of it. Yeah, I'm just gonna make what I want. Yeah, he's a big Cubist guy. Here's the painting. Um, I think it's called Picasso's Guernica, and it's this. Oh yes, you've seen that before, right? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's it's really depressing when you look into it because the Nazis bombed like this entire city called Guernica, mm-hmm. and basically what you see is just this bombed out ruin of a city yeah. that was once I think pretty important to him in some way. But then I would even say that yeah, that then they're probably toe to toe. I would say, but modern day Banksy is. Yeah. So, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that point. I'm, oh, no, yeah, of <laughs> He's course. a great artist. I'm yeah. sure of that. But at the same time, it's like, how do you put him on a shelf next to Picasso and Michelangelo and everyone else that's famous in art? Well, perhaps... <laughs> he's got that one name name. It's Banksy, right? Banksy, it's not, Michelangelo. Like, it's, no, it's just it's Banksy. Banksy. Wow. Share. Um, but perhaps... Sure <laughs> perhaps within the next uh, 45 minutes to an hour, I'll be able to uh, convince you that... Perhaps uh, you could entertain this. I'll entertain it. I'll yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah, you will. Sting, of course. Sting's <laughs> another monosyllabic name. Thank you. So it feels only fair to note... <laughs> did, you, did I miss a joke? I was mentioning U2. <laughs> John loves U2. Oh. Yeah, U2 is a great band. A little okay. inside joke between you two? One <laughs> of many. One of many. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> carry on, old chap. It feels only fair to note when going into the backstory of Banksy... That most of what we know is still really just speculation, as we've kind of already gone into. Uh, No one knows Banksy's true identity. Though many have come up with 
theories on who Banksy might be. Some claim that uh, he's an English comic book artist named Jamie Hewlett. You guys know who Jamie Hewlett is? Nope. Are you... for... Oh, is that the... Um... They work with the gorillas? He is the designer of the characters in the gorillas. Yes, with a Z. And like gorillas. Tank Girl? Yes. Okay. He Yes, he has a very famous comic book named Tank Girl. Man, look at you. I got it. Yeah. Look at this guy. Yeah. Very cultured. Well played. Very, very cultured, this man. <laughs> I just like Plastic Beach. Okay. Great album. Yeah. Best absolutely. Gorillas album, in my opinion. They're, I, like, uh, I like many a gorilla songs. Mm-hmm. They are summer jams from my, from my younger years, sure. for sure. I've probably heard him. I just never put a name to a. Yeah, he has one named Clint Eastwood. Okay. Oh, yeah. One of those early jams, that, like, yeah. that thumping <laughs> bass line. That kind of goes into trip-hop. Do you know anything about the Gorillas? <laughs> I know nothing about anything. <laughs> they're, they're a virtual band, so it's, a, like, a, a group of, like... Musicians. It, it's a group of four uh, people okay. who... Um, I've seen their characters. Like the No, little... that's them. No. Girls no, that's it, them because it's only one guy. Yeah, it's one guy, yeah. It's right. one guy who does it's all of them. Dan Schneider. <laughs> it's Dan Schneider. No, it's not. <laughs> when he's not making iCarly. He's not making he's iCarly, making he's gorillas. making gorillas. Hmm. Uh, but people assume that it was uh that it was Jamie Hewlett who was Banksy mm-hmm. because the styles are kind of similar. Um but Joanna Brooks, who is Banksy's publicist denies this to be true so that one shot down hmm. so that's one guy we can take off the list well, well of course would, he'd say yeah, that yeah if you yeah, want to like have a, this air of mystery of, yeah you're gonna deny it but, <laughs> but jamie never said anything so they were like mm. you're banksy and he was like you want to buy you want to buy more tank girl <laughs> maybe like, i'll tell you if and I then am. the publicist was like shut it down he's not <laughs> he's not so others claim the identity rests on robert del nadia who is the front man of a trip-hop band named massive attack I listened to a lot of their songs while writing this. They are very good. You should look them up if you haven't listened to them. Um, and though he had a past in the graffiti scene in Bristol in the 1980s, so that lines up, um, through comparing the lifestyle of the artist, and more importantly, if they were in Bristol when the artist or when the art was created, Nadja, known as 3D, also has been ruled out. Though he doesn't claim, or he no, he does claim to be a close friend. Hmm. of banksy he says i know him. we're good friends but i'm not him hmm. weird yeah weird to have like some celebrity friend that nobody knows about and you're like yeah no we're cool i mean so anyone could say that in yeah. doing research for this i realized how many people do know who banksy is and just refuse to tell people wow huh that's something there are he works with a ton of people hmm. but none of them sell him out well he's had documentaries about him right no Oh no! He made so they made a documentary that was it was advertised as a documentary about Banksy. Yeah, um, clickbait, of course. <laughs> it was like it was like legitimate clickbait. Let me look up the title of it real quick. Was it top ten things about <laughs> Banksy? <laughs> Banksy will never Wait, guess. Did Watch Mojo make this documentary? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> top five memes about Banksy. So the Banksy documentary is called Exit Through the Gift Shop. Hey, I've heard that. And it's a Banksy film, and people were like, oh, this is a film about Banksy. Oh, Mm -hmm. we're going to learn stuff about him. But it ended up being about the corruption of the art world. Completely. They told me to watch that in school, I think. Yeah. I don't think I did. I feel like I did watch that. I feel like I found it on YouTube one day. It was completely about the underground graffiti world that didn't involve Banksy. (laughs) Great. (laughs) And uh, about a completely different artist who worked with Banksy but isn't Banksy. Um, 
and Banksy was basically just like, here's a camera crew, go show him what it's like down there, because I can't do it. Hmm. But it was not about him. Banksy but, but he it. was involved. Yeah. Yeah. He, yes, because Banksy has like a Banksy films where he like makes films, but usually it's just like him documenting his own art, hmm. which is interesting. It's pretty neat. So what you're telling me is that he is not a 70-year-old woman like I've heard before. Banksy is not a 70-year-old Why woman. Why have I... Am but I the, the only, only one who's ever heard this? You're the, I, through all the research I did, I never came across I that. I swear I've heard this once before. Maybe it's a joke. I don't know. It's probably a joke I just told. <laughs> you, know, you told? <laughs> I told it. Yeah, I no. He's not a 70-year-old woman. The only thing that like we know for a fact is that he was 28 and like... 2006 so you can hmm. do the monster math and then you you can kind of figure it you out deliberate that you know he's born in like the 80s or something and that's because one of his friends slipped up and they were like here's oh, what i can tell you about him he's no longer with us he's been killed <laughs> <laughs> he was tied to a wall and spray painted to death <laughs> jesus and that sold for how much <laughs> so i um, would buy. <laughs> kind of an interesting kind of side note about robert del Nagia and how they figured out that he wasn't banksy is um, Queen Mary University of London used the same geographical tracking technology that they used to catch serial killers to eliminate Robert Donaggia as a suspect. So they hacked his phone. Mm. Is that what I'm getting? No. So like <laughs> when they track serial killers, the way they kind of figure out who the serial killer is, is every time that the serial killer strikes, mm. they put it in this system. Mm. And after a certain number of points are located, they can be like, oh, this is who was in this area at this time. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is what was going on at this time. This is what this person's schedule is. This is where they work. This is where they do this Ooh. and that. And <laughs> Robert yeah, Robert is. Del Nagia did not fit at all. Oh. Did not fit. Um, so they were like, all right, it's not him. But that like they weren't going to disprove Robert Del Nagia. That's not why they did it. They used this technology basically as a net mm. to catch who was Banksy. So they know at this point. Well, possibly they've done studies. They've done so. They're like, we have a pretty good idea of who it might be. They've done studies. They've done, okay, <laughs> could it be one of those things where he has people acting as him, like, like the Joker? Right? Didn't he have like a bunch of like little goons going out who are like, yeah, I'm the Joker, whatever. <laughs> it's Joker possible. Junior. <laughs> yeah, I'm Joker Junior. It's kind of like how uh, Hannibal Burris hired an identical looking person but it was like he looked nothing like Hannibal Burris <laughs> to go like stand on the red carpet and people like did interviews with him and like took pictures with him that. and like so made it, he made it in a magazine as Hannibal Burris <laughs> it's like the quintessential Eric Andre thing to do yeah it really Hannibal is Burris. but whoever Banksy is uh, his name has become household and his work has become globally recognized mm. in today's episode I hope to share with you some of the art that he has created and spread his message along the way For those of you listening at home, the next part might be a bit odd. I will verbally describe the pictures that I show, but uh, we will hopefully also be leaving links to each one in the description. So if you want to hit the little pause button uh, so that you can pull that up, then hit play again so that you're looking at it while we are. It'll probably help you along the way. (laughs) I want to... As we move along, allow you gentlemen the chance to admire the art and tell me what you think Banksy is getting at, and then I'll tell you the general consensus on what the art means. I'm kind of taking you through a a virtual gallery of Banksy's art, or at least what I think are some of the cooler ones. There are a lot that I can't put in because I only have an hour, (laughs) but like, I hope that this sparks kind of 
they'll want to go look into Banksy's art because all of it is super interesting in the way that he gets points of cross. So our uh, first piece that I want to show you guys um, is a pretty well-known symbol. And I'll go ahead and, and pull this up real quick. Oh, yeah. This is familiar. Yes. Ah. Yeah, I've seen that before. I'm sure he gets a lot of tattoos of his art. Probably. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's very, like, flat mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Very stylish. Yeah. I mean, I could see why people think it's uh, Jamie Hewlett. Uh, is that how you say his name? Yeah. Because it is kind of, like, comic booky in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this all stencil art? Okay, yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. So just a quick description for the people honest. listening at home who haven't pulled up the picture. So what we're seeing is, uh, in black and white, a stencil art of a guy who's kind of dressed in what would be considered kind of like a civilian riot gear okay. um, with a bandana held over his face. And he's in a position where he looks like he's throwing a Mazel Tov cocktail, or about to. Or a grenade. <laughs> but in replacement of the Mazel Tov cocktail that a rioter would usually throw um, is a bouquet of flowers... And the flowers are the only thing in the whole picture that is in color. Everything else is in black and white. Gee, that was done on purpose, wasn't it? Seems like it, right? <laughs> that looks it's like symbolism to me. <laughs> symbolism. <laughs> so looking at this picture, if you just had to take a, take a guess at what Banksy is going for. I mean, we'll look no further than the uh, current economic climates in America. All Socioeconomic, we might say. Got to right. include the socioeconomic (laughs) but i mean the the riots happening in america are mostly out of you know they are riots quote unquote some may call them something else protest i mean this is a protester but they're not you know for the most part spreading violence they're trying to spread this message of tolerance and acceptance and you know maybe a peace offering yep that's why i kind of see the flowers as hey how about that yeah yeah I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you, Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> so, if you had to guess when this was painted, when would you say? Gee, I've seen that years ago, even before 2020. Yeah, this seems like maybe his older work. It might have been... He was active in the 80s? He was active beginning in the 90s. Okay. This is in the 90s. Yeah, that's what <clears throat> I would say, too. This is... I'm going to say 93. Hell say no. 93? It's 2010-ish. What? 2015. Okay, That's a bit sooner. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, no worries, because I have a full list, uh, including dates right here. 2005. That? Meet the... in the middle. Meet in the middle. Okay. Hey, 2005. We tried. We tried. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's... Now, uh... It's funny. It's like he's gonna, he's gonna throw something, but it's a bouquet of flowers. It's Maybe. not gonna go very far. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. <laughs> you ever throw him a bouquet of flowers? It doesn't Maybe. go very far. Maybe that's the point. It's harder to uh, get your message across when yeah. you're just trying to send these peaceful messages. You're sending you know? something light and airy yeah. as opposed to like a solid chunk like of grenade a soup or something. can. True. Soup True. can. So it is generally understood that the re- that? replacement for the cocktail to flowers symbolizes peace instead of war, which you guys hit on. Right. Um, but looking deeper into the message, we see that the man is actively throwing Correct. the mm-hmm. flowers, mm-hmm. right? Um the act of destruction that is caused by the cocktail is then flipped on its head uh, by throwing flowers. Banksy hopes for peace and warns that we must be active about mm. obtaining it. Oh, in the same way you're active about destruction. Yeah. Um. So we have to stay active when fighting. This piece is titled "Rage: The Flower Thrower." 
Yep. And it was uh, created using stencil and spray paint. So good on you there, John. That's a a method that Banksy uses a lot in his work. Um, And that what went along with this was Banksy included flower bombs that uh, a bunch of people got their hands on. What flower bombs were, where they were this like condensed piece of dirt, this little like pod. And inside of it were a bunch of flowers. And you were encouraged to like, if you're riding on the train, chuck that bitch out the window. Or like, (laughs) if you have like a weird little like intersection in the middle of a road in the middle of the city, chuck that bitch on the floor. And like, I'm I'm cursing. I'm so sorry. Um, it's, you can say a bitch. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. cool. We need a list. Just don't say... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Yeah. Oh. Beep, beep. Oh, 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 man. Don't say it. Are you going to beep all, all right. those? Yeah. George. <laughs> Carlin. <laughs> but um, what would happen was the, these would explode when they hit the ground and seeds would go everywhere. And then, like, weeks, months later, bunch of bloom of flowers all over the place. Mm. And it was kind of just this reminder of, like... We have to be active about being peaceful. We can't just expect peace to come to us. That's right. And that worked. Like, people did do that. Yeah. And people did notice, like, hey, there's more flowers just kind of growing and like, in if random you see places. A, if you see a bunch of flowers, you're not like, I'm going to kick somebody's Ooh. ass. Like, that's never the first mm-hmm. thought. These are going to kill me. <laughs> that's never your first thought when you look Bees. at a, a nice plot of flowers. <laughs> so why, you may ask, did Banksy start using stenciling? A little little side little side. Uh, sidebar for us more accurate so as an artist he uh as an artist that uh use was basically uh a copy and paste basically he he was using a stencil as kind of a copy and paste in the real world um but the answer is simple as to why he did it and obvious when you kind of think about it uh though his art is world-renowned and cherished uh what he's doing is still illegal like, obviously graffiti yes is graffiti legal. is still even though it's like banksy and like these are great pieces of art and people cherish them it's still illegal and back when he first got started he was almost arrested for his art in bristol mm. as he was creating it he was almost arrested and from that day on he decided um to start using the process of stenciling because it was easy for his quick in and out method of creation um and that may be one of the reasons why his identity still remains a mystery yeah, because he's quick. Yeah, if he just took the time to paint it, mm-hmm. way more people would find him. But, like, he's in and he's out. Mm-hmm. One kind of quick example about that, something that I, I don't have prepared but I want to talk about, is Banksy actually created a piece of art for the coronavirus, uh, basically telling people, like, hey, stupid, you need to wear a mask. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> he graffitied a train car mm-hmm. with a bunch of pictures of rats, all of them with, like, green goo coming out of their nose, and, like, some of them would wear masks, and, like, they'd be parachuting with masks. And, like, basically it was this idea of, hey, this is just like the Black Plague. Yep. Like, the way that it's spreading. Mm-hmm. And if all you have to do is wear a mask to stop it from happening, put on the mask. <laughs> and he put it in a train car. So all of the people who are going to work every day, anyone who's going anywhere, they have to stare at this graffiti mm-hmm. of these rats. And they were, like, dead rats. And, like, it's something that you should look up. This is, like, super recent that he did this. Yeah. Like, within maybe the last month or two. So he's still out there. It's good that he's still active. And he's still out there doing stuff. Yeah. Um, But we're going to move on to the next piece of art, which is one that you've actually already brought up. Uh, The next image that we're going to talk about is another well-known piece depicting a girl and a heart-shaped balloon. Next to her is the phrase, there is always hope. I'll pull that up now. This is the original. So this is where it first appeared. There's always hope. Maybe 
Maybe what it's saying is that there's always the hope that maybe the balloon will come back. Even if you the didn't let it go. The wind will blow the other way Just and magically. blow it back into your hand. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. There's always hope. So what do you think the further message is, though? Letting go. Yeah? Letting go of something that maybe is pretty and you want to hold on to it forever, but, you know. I don't know where the hope comes in. I'm just talking. It almost seems sarcastic <laughs> in a way. Yeah. There is always hope, but there it goes. <laughs> there goes a balloon. You don't, you don't get it, but it's there. Up, but... up, and away. <laughs> okay, so. It's a good movie. Up. Um, clearly, That's hope it. plays a part in this. That is obvious. It says it right there in the in the little phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, the question then becomes, what are we hoping for? The balloon to come back. Well, a little girl her, hopes that her balloon will return. Yeah. That, that's correct. It's like a boomerang. Um, but is the balloon even going away? Mm. That's the question. It's um, implied. Many argue that it is, in fact, the opposite, and the balloon in question is actually coming to her, and she's reaching out to grab it. Hmm. I don't know if the physics work out on that one. Well, if the <laughs> wind's this, blowing towards you. It's blowing, like, at her back. Pull up that picture because, again? Yeah, because the balloon is All right, let's take a look at it. Jamie, pull that up. Ah, yeah, yeah. her hair is being blown. You're right. Proof's in the pudding, I mean. But some so people, some people do argue that. Basically, I'm is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, basically is. <laughs> Clearly, Banksy doesn't understand physics. Well, whichever you see, the balloon is meant to represent hope of achieving what you set out to do. In this case, catch your balloon. Hmm. But let's talk about the shape of the balloon. Uh, in chasing the balloon, you follow your heart. Hmm. Right? Okay. The girl represents the child in us, always reaching for our dreams and reclaiming the innocence of the dreams that we let go of. When hmm. we let go of a balloon, it floats away, much as if we let go of our dreams, it goes away. But as long as you're chasing your dreams, chasing your heart, there's always hope. Hmm. What, what I'm picking up is that these messages are very simple. Like, it's very, like... Almost like at the end of a children's book. Like, there is hope, you know? I mean, the the COVID one is maybe less... I mean, it, it's a it's a clear message, right. but it's a little bit more bleak. But, but these first two are like, you know, be active in peace. Be, you know, always hope for more. Like, you look at your Picasso painting, and it's just like <laughs> a death trap. Like, what am I even looking at? <laughs> That's one of those that you have no idea unless you know historical context. And I'm sure there's some to this as well, but... Mm it seems like we can kind of look at these so far and just be like, oh, okay, hope, love, spread positivity. But, maybe but it doesn't hit you over the head with it. That's a key differentiator no. than like a kid's show. Because well, kid's yeah, show will say yeah, it right in your face. <laughs> here's, here's something interesting. When a kid's show says like, there's always hope or like follow your dreams, you're like, oh yeah, that's just shit that you tell kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like who needs to hear it more than adults? Right. Like yeah, who, needs, who needs to like, get slapped in the face with a message like, hey, you need to follow your dreams or else they're going to float away. Like a balloon. And like it, a balloon. And especially like when it's outside in the city, that can, I mean, the picture that you show is kind of like maybe a semi-dirty wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's like, this is not the most beautiful place Out there in, in the city. Commute. Yeah. yeah. And then, I need to hear that. Thank yeah. you, Banksy. Oh, Banksy. Oh, he's looking out for me. <laughs> You know, what? you know what? I'm going to quit my job. <laughs> I'm going to focus on my, my startup. My trip hop. <laughs> my trip, my hop, trip hop music. Yeah, yeah. Lo-fi hip hop beats to, to, to trip to. <laughs> so uh, the girl with the balloon, which is the name of the unofficial title of the piece is uh, Girl with Balloon, uh, which was also made with paint and stencil. Yep. 
um, quick in and out has actually kind of resurfaced in the news recently. And you kind of talked on this um, because Banksy, uh, his piece recently got sold at auction. It was a copy of this painting on canvas and it shredded itself after the auction was done. That's great. I have a video of it if you guys want to watch it. Have you seen it yet? <laughs> it got like yes. halfway through and then No, it, they it made jams. it all the way through to the Oh yes, yes. Yeah, it yes. jams and that, That's that, not on purpose. Yeah, that was not part of the plan. <laughs> no, the plan yeah. was for it to completely shred itself, but it got stuck halfway. And then the person who bought it is just like, I still want it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll take two. It's pro- it's probably worth way more than it ever It has was. it has doubled in value. Yeah. Because of But it's only half a pain. Because the well the story behind it now. Well it's actually now a full piece of like sculpture art because it's half of a frame Mm -hmm. that at the it cuts and then it's like this is like banksy's signature like if (laughs) if there was if there was a symbol for banksy it would be a half shredded painting of his yeah that sold for double its price at auction um so why did banksy pull this stunt let's talk about it the same way we talked about all of his other art pieces what's the reason that he did it well this was in 2018 correct correct okay uh i mean it seems very political there must have been some driving force behind it where it's like, oh, always hope, you know? No, I'm sorry. Your hope is getting, is, is getting shredded. It's gone. Maybe. See ya. There's a slap in the face to, like, the art establishment, I think. Because mm. you pay all this money. Well, first off, it's kind of silly in the first place to buy art for a million dollars. How is a piece of art worth a million dollars? I don't care if you do gold leaf spray, you know, whatever on it. Yeah. It's not worth that much. This painting of a Campbell's soup can is worth half a mil. It's a pay up, baby. How long did that take you to do? Five minutes. Okay. <laughs> someone, uh, yeah, someone appraises it, and yeah, they said it's, it's like that it's that a much. slap in the face to that because it's like yeah. the art appraiser goes in and is like, "Well, um, perhaps this is worth um, I um, uh, one point seven five million and two cents." Sipping on his like six glasses yeah. of scotch, <laughs> and it's ten a.m. Yeah. Oh. So this sold for one million pounds at the final auction. One million pounds. I don't know the conversion, but it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. Um, Chunk of change. And the reason that he did it, uh, the message was actually clear. And he's just saying, hey, stop selling my shit. Uh, <laughs> um, a number of Banksy's... It's anti-commercialism, yeah. A number okay. of Banksy's public works have actually been taken off the street. So like, he will put out a sculpture or like, a piece of art that is meant to sit in public and it will be taken and then sold at auction. Yeah, wow. you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this kind of feels like a middle finger to people who are trying to uh, trade art like stock or treat his message like an investment. Yeah. That completely backfired because it not only just made his <laughs> art worth it more. It doubled in value. Yeah. <laughs> but, like half a painting. But he donated this piece of art to have that happen. But all of the money that they made off of this piece of art actually didn't go into Banksy's pocket. He donated it to an organization that helps people who are blind um, receive their sight again. Oh, cool. That's awesome. But he says that the reason that he helps uh, an organization that kind of helps people regain their sight is because it just broadens his market. Like, if if more people can see then he's going to make more money off it. That's why he says he does it, which I think that's is just hilarious. like the sarcastic asshole answer that I love. Yeah. Well, if, if you can't beat him, join him. You know, kind of, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, Banksy has been known for kind of creating these experiences, kind of like the one where his painting got shredded. Um, and they're meant to awaken people to like a problem, or as Nick would say, make them woke. 
woke. Alan woke. <laughs> we were just talking about that before, before we started uh, doing the podcast. So one such piece was one known as Elephant in the Room, deemed the barely legal piece of artwork. <laughs> That's the tagline for this, this painting? Yes. This is an interesting one. Whoa. <laughs> is this a photograph of... So clearly this is not something spray-painted on a wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, like, this it's is a, a full ass. Is this a photograph? Is it a yeah, digital art manipulation? So what we're, what we're seeing in front of us is uh, what appears to be a room with uh, red and gold wallpaper. Right. Uh, the detailing is like a flower budding. Um, and a woman sitting on a couch casually reading, ignoring the fact that there is an elephant in the fucking room. <laughs> but it's painted the same as the wallpaper. But it's painted the same as the wall. It's clearly camouflage. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> in case you that? guys were wondering, <laughs> I included this little clip here. It's a real ass elephant. Oh my god! Oh, it's performance art. Actually painted and let people come in and see. He painted it with um, non-toxic children's face paint. Good. That's a lot of children's face paint for this. Elephant. <laughs> and he he got a permit to have it there. It, this was an <laughs> exhibition in. Uh, in L.A., actually, uh, so away from his Bristol home. I know where that is. Um, Los Angeles. Right. Um, <laughs> but but he charged people tickets, and PETA had a f***ing fit about it. So it only. I mean, what don't they? Have it was supposed about, to honestly. stay. It was supposed to stay open for five days. This mm-hmm. elephant was just chilling in this place, and um, but it only stayed open for three. Yeah. The message behind it is kind of a hard one if you're not like completely aware. Um, but what was the elephant in the room? Uh, at the time, it was world hunger. Basically, he's saying, like, hey, why are we ignoring this? Like, why are we going on with our day-to-day lives pretending like there aren't people starving? Yeah, even in America, too. It's oh, yeah. the literal elephant in the room, mm-hmm. and we're just painting it and pretending it's not there, but there are people starving, and we need to help. Maybe that paint on the elephant is, like, the whole, um, what is it called? Where, where we give money to the food bank or whatever? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's, like, the proverbial paint in this particular situation. Maybe. Like, I'm giving my money to... You know. Right, like, I'm giving... Like, I always round up yeah. for world hunger, but it's, yeah. like, pennies, you know? Um, um, it's like you're Febrezing garbage. Yeah. Like, just exactly take the garbage out. Saying. It smells so there, but now it smells kind of fruity. So. You can kind of walk past it, like, eh, it's good, it's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but his, his real, really his only goal was to get this conversation kind of rolling, like... Hey, we need to talk about this. And once you go see a physical elephant camouflaged in a room, you're like, okay, we need to talk about... Because he's like, this is about world hunger. So everyone's like, uh, we need to talk about world hunger. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a real problem. Yeah. And so he makes this obvious when people go in to see this, see this exhibit, they know this is about world hunger? Yeah. Okay. They're like, he's like, hey. By the way? Because like, like surrounding this like <laughs> elephant that's in the room, there's like all of these posters with all this information on it. <laughs> do you think uh he could have been one of those persons or one of those people in the room during the exhibit is he that cheeky he totally could have it's a very british word thank you he was quite cheeky though he's quite cheeky there <laughs> going to his own exhibit he could be he be definitely funny. i like to think that he was yeah he would do his thing like that he for sure could be that's kind of the thing about him is that he could he could be one of us he could be any of us yeah he could, Except could be John Kincaid. Con Kincaid. He could be Con Kincaid. Yeah. I mean, at, <laughs> that being said, uh, next month I do have to get out of here. I'm going to visit my family in uh, <clears throat> Bristol. 
<laughs> okay. Sure he is. Bristol Motor Speedway in sunny... Sunny California. Is that California? I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're starting to get close to hitting our time here, so I would just want to like run through some quick facts and then go over one more piece of art that I think that you guys are going to really enjoy. Oh, wow. Um, so... Before we talk about what I feel is the greatest art exhibit of all time, I want to go over some fun facts uh, because, you know, we all like fun facts. We do. So first off, Banksy refers to himself as a quality vandal by trade, Um, (laughs) but he tells his mother, who doesn't know about his double life, that he paints houses for a living, or at least that's what he tells us, (laughs) which he's not lying. No. He does paint houses. Houses of different... And he's so confident that his mom is not going to see that quote. And, like, connect the dots. She's just like, man, somebody's son is lying to him, but my son actually does paint houses. Yeah. He comes home covered in paint all the time. <laughs> Sweating profusely. Right. Saying that he's running from the cops. I don't think he'd, he'd tell that part. Um, so, once Banksy sold his art on the street in New York uh, for no more than $60 at a stand that only made $420 that day, but the buyers made off with paintings worth $30,000. Dang. Because they were just sitting on that. Like it was. Like, have you ever been to New York? <laughs> Can't say I have. No. So you know how there are like street vendors who like set up folding tables and just like sell random shit mm-hmm. on the sidewalk. Mm. It was one of those, but with Banksy paintings. <laughs> and the guys, the guy who bought them, one one guy made off with. Uh, he bought two of them, so sixty thousand dollars worth of art. Mm. He bought them because he said he got a new apartment. And he needed something to cover the walls. <laughs> <laughs> they were legitimate Banksy pictures and he Did later he like them? is that how they know they're legit no he later went on social media and he's like hey did you buy from this stand these are real Jeez. and everybody's like love it very <laughs> cheeky love it. yeah <laughs> so he once replaced um all of paris hilton's cds with those of his own paris hilton had a very brief music career how did he wait yeah go on um <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. Yeah, he <laughs> decided he banksy decided that he wasn't going to have it so he went to stores and he replaced her CD with ones of his own making with songs about how being rich doesn't make you an artist. Oh, man. I thought you meant, like, her own personal CD collection. <laughs> yeah. like, no, in no, no, no. He broke in. Like, in stores. It was a complete parody of her album because, like, instead of showing, like, scadly dressed pictures of her, he, like, showed, like, pictures where it looked like she was completely naked or, like, he cropped out her head and replaced it with a dog and then, like, <laughs> added a bunch of stuff on the inside and then changed the CD completely. But he kept the barcode the same. So when people went to buy her CD, it still scanned out. They didn't know until they got home. That's so ah, funny. Very that smart. He, they actually had a, a Banksy original. He's kind of a prankster. I like that. He really is. Yeah. And that's kind of how he goes. <laughs> he is. Look at his clean lines. So He's looking on he knows how to edge, for yeah. sure. So the <laughs> last exhibition that I want to go into detail with is a theme park Banksy opened in 2015. <laughs> you vaguely heard about this. Did you hear about vaguely, this? Vaguely, yes. Okay. Is it Bigger I, Things Island? I have a video that I want to show you, if that's all right. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll also link this video. It's called Dismal Land. Oh, as opposed to Disneyland. Correct. Okay. Note, just at the beginning of this video, the face of the employee... <laughs> They were all told to be as rude as possible and to be assholes and help nobody the entire time. Look at him. He's got a dead look in his eyes. <laughs> that is a giant sand castle. Oh, it's, oh real I didn't sand? get a sense of scale there. So there's another employee who's just like <laughs> lazily kicking around. Look Great. in the background, the giant castle. That Ferris wheel is going way too fast. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> it's a thrill ride. The Astro... 
what is that, astronaut's caravan? Look at his face. Look at this guy. He's done. Look at his, I think but look he's at his head. Punch that kid. Do you see yeah. his head? Do you see what he's wearing? Yeah, little mouse ears. Yeah, that's clever. <laughs> oh, he like sprinkles in weird art in there. It's like <laughs> real world objects turn into art. Yeah, yeah, and this is a carnival game. But did you notice that it's a bird covered in oil? <laughs> Gosh. Ouch. Mind the income gap. Here, he's just like shotgunning with a bunch of themes of just like yeah. corporate America to environmental messages. This is just death riding around <laughs> on a bumper car. That's the best job of all okay. time. You can see like different picnic tables. You can see uh, just like the art basically oozing out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of depressing. The loss of direction, just back and forth arrows. and um, This gets kind of nauseating, the spinning does. But it gives you a good idea of kind of the whole park. Um, and just like what dismal land is meant to represent. Yep. You did it. I'm so. surprised there's so many people who went there. Yeah. Oh, it's I mean, sold out. It, it, it's weird to be so underground and no one knows who you are, yet all can, eyes are on you at all times. Look, at, he made a whole ass theme park. Yeah, correct. One, one guy made it. So I've actually linked an article as well which goes into a bit more detail um basically saying what's inside dismal land (laughs) um one thing that i want to note at the very beginning of this article there is a picture of who we can assume is ariel and she is just like she looks like the waves of water she looks like she's underwater but she is the statue and that's to get over (laughs) copyright claim (laughs) yeah it almost looks like a vaporwave in the way. Almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. almost vaporwave. I was gonna say like the VHS tapes where you, oh, where you sure. get that one messed up like little bit and it goes. <laughs> you rewind a little bit too much. Yeah. yeah. Here we have another piece of art that is. Oh a, no! It is a Disney princess who we can assume is Cinderella in yeah. her uh, pumpkin carriage. She has crashed and died. This princess has died in a car crash. Damn. Sound familiar? A carriage crash. Princess Diana. Diana. Princess Diana. How about that? And who is it who oh, is... paparazzi there. Are, that, are those, like, people... Are those actual paparazzi, or is that Those are statues. Oh, okay. statues. Okay. The paparazzi is there to take a picture of the princess who has died in the carriage crash. Yeah, they're not helping or anything. They <laughs> aren't helping her at all. Well, how can you help? She's dead. Uh, Banksy actually released another piece of art that was counterfeit money. It was a 10-pound note, mm. um, and he replaced Queen Elizabeth's face with Princess Diana. And he spread them out, and it was so well counterfeited that many people actually used his currency, like successfully, wow. and spread it out throughout. And there was like a big thing where they had to like go and seek them out and yeah. like get them out of circulation. He's just a little troublemaker. Yeah, like you said it best, Nick. <laughs> they need to, um, you know, work on those anti-counterfeit measures. You seen the new like one hundred dollar bills on the you got like the strip of plastic, whatever in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm very familiar with the hundred dollar bills. I always have those in my pocket. Oh, you know. Sure. <laughs> Here's a closer picture of Death riding around, uh, <laughs> in his little car, little peep show. <laughs> this happening. is great. Um, this was at their lake, that their like little uh, fountain area. These are immigrants who are drowning. Oof. Uh, because immigration is a big problem. Or no, That's, those are like supposed to represent the Syrian migrants. And look at it, it's exactly right. You immigrants, got migrants. What are you going to call them? A little image of SeaWorld here, of a um, of a whale jumping out of a toilet into a hoop. Hmm. And yeah. I like to think that the action they took recently 
was based on this. What action? They uh, SeaWorld is like shut down, isn't it? Or they no longer have. Well, I mean, COVID didn't help. It's for sure. <laughs> no, it was before that. Then. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for them. They don't. You know, you shouldn't keep your animals in cages. They should be. They free. should be free. Yeah. No more yeah. zoos. So, so hashtag what's this... no more zoos. Hashtag no more zoos. <laughs> so, what's this experience mean? Why? Why did he create this? What's he trying to get across? The entire like experience as as one. Dismaland. Yeah. Dismal stuff. It's depressing. Yeah. It's the opposite of Disneyland almost, mm-hmm. which probably isn't hard to see. It's but... the unhappiest place on earth. Yeah. yeah. Disneyland's supposed to be this bright, colorful, cheery place. And then you have Dismaland, which makes you look at like <laughs> reality in a lot of ways, the worst parts of humanity. Yeah. Well, instead of like a distraction from the real world, it's a telescope. It's like, here, look at this. You <laughs> nailed it. You nailed it. I did instead say of, as a critic. <laughs> instead of going to Disneyland and distracting yourself from all the problems of the world, pretending like they're not happening. Yep. This does the opposite. It's like, look at all this shit that's going on. Princess Diana died because of the paparazzi, and we just let it happen. The Syrian immigrants are, like, here having problems. Death is literally always here. Yep. Always here. And he's in a bumper car this time. Yeah. He's having a great time. (laughs) Distracting for a little while. There is a SWAT van that has a slide coming out of it that puts you directly into a bog. Meaning that going through the legal system lands you right in the pit hole. Oh, it does. (laughs) Oh, believe me, it does. And there is no getting out of it. You get one felony, it's like, all right, best I can do is a Burger King job. Have fun. Yeah, and that's what he's trying to say. And like he's saying, look at all this stuff. Mm. Basically, what his words were when he was asked, um, theme parks should have bigger themes than just be happy. Hmm. Maybe like, don't nobody, ignore the stuff that's happening. We have to make, like, we have to make this world our paradise. We can't go off and ignore all of the shit that we've caused. Exactly. But nobody would go to those parks because they're boring and depressing. Well, a lot of people went, but they wouldn't go all the time. They wouldn't go, yeah, you'd be like, uh, "Can we go to Disneyland, Mom?" No one's <laughs> no. kids are just like, "Come on, we want to go see death. Come on, I want to go pull a greased duck out of a pond." Oof. When they win the Super Bowl. Hey, where are you going to go? We're going to go to Dismaland. <laughs> We're going to Dismaland. So whether painting the streets of Bristol or building in our own backyard, Banksy sends a clear message. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. Stop your day today half awake, stumble to work, and look around. Things are beautiful, wild, and different. Everything is exactly what you make it, even the rules. His out-of-the-box look on art tugs at the creativity that we all experienced as a child. His experiences he creates offers his hand and says, hey, come on, let's play. And we trust him to show us something that we've never expected, even if we have no idea who he is. Hmm. Well, that's not exactly true. Remember the study that I mentioned at Queen Mary University of London? Mm-hmm. Uh, using the method they tracked the serial killers, and were able to actually track Banksy in the same way. Because, of course, that system works. I'd be worried if it didn't, you know? (laughs) Got to find the serial killers. Uh, They think that they have a pretty good idea of who Banksy is, and if you look into it, they kind of give it away. They give a name that I did not mention in this podcast. Um, And don't. (laughs) But that's not a name that I'm willing to disclose, you know? yeah. Uh, As all great heroes... Banksy needs to keep his private life private. He does. So, Banksy, if you're listening, your secret is safe with me. 
and with us at Entertain This. He's almost like Spider-Man. He is a lot like (laughs) Spider-Man. That's why you like him so much. (laughs) Correct. So that's our just very brief dive into the art of Banksy and the world that he is looking to build with us, constantly inviting us to be a part of it, to just Mm. be better and to kind of send messages that way through his stencil and graffiti art. Um, I'd say he's more like Batman. Yeah. One of the superheroes. Because he goes... He's a vigilante. He works under Mm. the cover of night. He follows his own set of rules, and he breaks the law when he has to, but it's always (laughs) for the greater good. It's a loose cannon cop. (laughs) What do you guys think? Was that... Was that good? You, I enjoyed that. I feel like yeah. I have a newfound appreciation because I think before I kind of saw it as like, oh, this is just some guy. Yeah, it's just another post on Reddit. Who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Banksy was just like a guy who like you knew. You're like, yeah, Banksy yeah, exists. Banksy's yeah, Banksy's out there. He's and I'm sure that he's done some cool stuff. I've seen yeah. one or two of his things. But like there's a ton that he's done. Yeah. He copied a – so there was a statue of a priest uh, from like 16th century priest. Mm-hmm. And he – he sculpted the exact statue and then pixelated his face. And it was an image to represent like the pedophilia in the Catholic church. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a real problem. Yeah. And that was the message that he was sending. Like they're going to blur their face. They're going to hide the details, but like, yeah, they do. (laughs) It gets happening and we need to pay attention to it. But there are a bunch of pieces of uh, art that he does like that as well as a lot. I didn't want to completely delve into um, his work in graffiti because he's done so much more. Um, but definitely if you have the time, you should look into, uh, Banksy and more of his work. I appreciated it. I entertained it. Yeah. I would say I did too. (laughs) I analyzed it. You know, that was pretty fun. (laughs) And when we come back from our short break, quick this. With John. With Conjin Cade. Let's do it. And we're back. Welcome. John, are you ready for your timer to start? I have been just foaming at the mouth this whole episode because, you know what, Alex, Nick, I have a bone to pick. Yeah? Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start your timer. Yep, go ahead. For those of you who don't already know, quick, this is a five-minute uh, ending segment at the end of each episode of Entertain This where we go over a topic that maybe couldn't fill up a whole episode, but uh, they get five minutes to speak their piece and to get it out there. Ready, yeah. set. Go. Well, I'm going to speak my piece and air out my dirty laundry because we're talking about the unwritten rules of baseball. Baseball. That's right. Baseball. I talked about fantasy football last week. Happy, cheery, fun. I love baseball. All right? Baseball is America's pastime. Mm -hmm. But with it being such an old sport, this is its 151st year of Major League Baseball. There are some rules, some unwritten rules that date back to, you know, these, like, more gentlemanly era of sports. That just does not work today. I'm going to give you a a recent example. The um, San Diego Padres are just beating this other team mercilessly. It is a, it's a shutout. It's like they are just piling on runs. Mm -hmm. Fernando Tatis Jr. walks up to the plate. It is a 3-0 count. Three balls, no strikes. The unwritten rules say, oh, and it's bases loaded, too. The unwritten rules of baseball say that he should take this next pitch as a strike and not swing. Because you should, you're already winning. You don't want to embarrass the other team. What does he do? He slams that fastball down the middle, <laughs> out of the park, and he's going crazy. He's getting excited. But as soon as he reaches his dugout, his manager says that he did something wrong. 
Uh-oh. He has broken an unwritten rule of baseball. What's the score at this point? I think I think the total score is like maybe seven nothing or ten nothing or something <laughs> you can, like, like that. Come back from that in an inning. Oh, I went to two Good. Reds games last year where they were up seven runs and then they ended up losing the game. That's because the Reds never win. <laughs> but my Easier. point is, is that and uh, after that game, Fernando Tatis Jr. apologized to the press for his actions. All right, and he was told to do so by his manager. And I am here saying that that is complete bullshit and this does not belong in the game of baseball in 2020 or in any year to come we live in this age where football players can get pumped up it gets the people they can't kneel they can't that's a whole other (laughs) not in front of the flag (laughs) but they can celebrate touchdowns they can scream they can yell they can get excited they can get themselves pumped up they get the audience watching pumped up in the stadium and at home but when baseball players do it it's frowned upon it is more acceptable in the old school baseball rules and these unwritten rules to throw at a batter after he pimps a home run maybe by flipping his bat than it is to flip the bat itself which is ridiculous. They would rather potentially injure a player with a 100-mile-hour fastball aimed at the head or behind the batter than to watch the excitement of a home run. Hmm. Which is why we're there. Exactly. We want to see how far the boy can hit the thing with the stick. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly why we're here. (laughs) And so there's a bunch of unwritten rules. Don't swing at the first pitch after the pitcher has allowed back-to-back home runs. Don't show up your opponent. Don't show up the fielders. Don't step on the pitcher's mound if you're not the pitcher. Uh, (laughs) Don't walk in front of the catcher. Uh, don't talk about it. Well, that's kind of different. Don't talk don't, about baseball. Don't bunt. <laughs> First rule of baseball. <laughs> don't, don't, don't talk don't about talk baseball. About baseball. <laughs> Those damn 1800s players talking about baseball. Spike uh, club rules. Uh, if, if a pitcher is throwing a no-hitter and you're a batter who is getting no hit, you should not bunt to take away that no-hitter. There are so many rules. Insult to injury. I'd love to do that. <laughs> exactly. Like, that is just them playing the game. Yeah. Why should you not throw at a pitch that you know is going to be a guaranteed strike? Mm. Makes no sense. It's it's blurring this line between sportsmanship and also getting paid millions of dollars to do what you're there to do. Right. It's this clash of minds. Exactly. It's this clash of minds. And there's kind of these two thoughts going on right now, which is let the boys play. And now this old school thinking that still lingers today. That's no, we got to play it by the book or the unwritten rules. We need to be respectful, but it's taking away a lot of excitement that should be there. Mm -hmm. And to its credit, more people than more people exist and who are fans of the game who do not like these unwritten rules. More people want to see these home runs being pimped. They want to see the excitement. But we still need to weed out these these people who are trying to suck away some of the enjoyment from the game. Mm-hmm. That can be there, and that's currently missing. And I think it's a shame. I think that home run from Tatis... Should should have been your time. should have been pimped. <laughs> I, I I want him to pimp that home run all day Cut long. His <laughs> Cut it. Uh, but you know we're we're gonna get there, and I think I have a positive outlook on the whole situation as a whole. Can I make a suggestion that I think will benefit uh, two sports at once? Yeah, I think that we should force a decision. Either all of the energy goes to baseball, mm-hmm. or we give all of that pent up energy, all of that excitement, 
the cursing, the throwing of things, the... The on-field uh, fights. The on-field <laughs> fights. All of that disrespect, give it to golf. <laughs> That'd be great. I think... Yeah. I think uh, a hole-in-one should... You should be able to launch... Be able to launch your 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 uh Those your, are expensive. Your you should punch your caddy in the face. You should be allowed to. I want happy. I want happy Gilmore rules. That's what oh, I want. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, clubs even, are expensive. I'd even argue that golf golfers can maybe celebrate more than baseball players at certain points. <laughs> what do you get on Tiger Woods? That the little. We need, he's like going yeah when you win. I mean, you know. There's celebration in baseball, of course, but these lingering little odds and ends that have existed yeah. for over a hundred years and cut them out. It's an old cut sport. Cut this is out. America's sport. You think exactly. America cares if you're if you're showing people up? No, <laughs> that's all we live for: showing people up. I know. Yeah, we gotta prove that we the best. It's the American dream. We dim American boys. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, next week, Nick, you are held. Or you, you are you are handed the helm. Oh no! To entertain this, you know what you're gonna talk about yet? Um, yeah. Oh, you wanna give us a little hint? No. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. This episode of Entertain This was written by Alex Steele, with additional commentary from Nick Mustakangas and John Kincaid. Our theme music is Rush Hubble by Aaron Spencer, with additional music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.